0: Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Good. Everybody have a good breakfast? <laughs> I had one and I reacted to it, so I got my water up here. My throat was kind of getting a little... Scratchy, so forgive me. Should have brought my coffee up. We all could have had coffee together, just hung out. So, anyways, my name's Scott Lambert. I'm filling in for our senior pastor Josh today. I'm one of the associate pastors here on staff, and I'm wrapping up a two-part message series called Comparison. Um, Last week we really looked at two parts of comparison and what it does for us, and it really confuses us. Comparison really just confuses us, and that's the right word to use there. And it also just leaves us empty. It leaves us empty. And so most of what we talked about last week had to do with how it affects us personally inside. But today we're going to take that a little bit further and then actually see how comparison affects us as we work together as groups. You know, families, co-workers, churches, society, governments. So we're going to look at that. There's nothing really innately wrong With comparison, it simply is just looking at two different things and seeing what's different and similar, right? No big deal unless I'm involved, right? Or you're involved. And we don't measure up, right? Then comparison becomes a problem. Here's a couple examples. Like, um, I like to get outdoors and do some activities. I just enjoy it. I'm not that good at it. I'm not, you know, trying to prove To the world that I'm great at any of these, but, you know, I like to occasionally surf and go hiking and backpacking and even rock climbing a little bit, and uh, me and my son and my wife enjoy these activities, and so, uh, but I do follow... Different experienced climbers, surfers on Instagram, you know, which is really fun. There's nothing wrong with that. I look at their posts and it's like, wow, look what they're doing. Look where they're at. Oh, I didn't know that place even existed, you know, and man, I can't believe guys can surf, you know, 40 foot waves like that. And that's pretty crazy. And so the only problem is, is when I go, you know, I got in my mind these images, right, of 20 foot tubes. You know, big old barrels of riding, and then I'm on my little one-foot wave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just not the same, right? <laughs> um, or you, you see all these great climbs. You know, Alex Honnold, a professional climber, just did Cap free solo, last year. It's never been done. And then I'm, I'm, I'm like freaking out on my little 5'6", like roped up and wondering if I'm going to be able to make it. You know, legs all shaking like a typewriter. And, you know, and you almost get to the point where you're, you almost can't even enjoy these things because there's this image that's that much greater than what you're doing. So I just have to get over myself. <laughs> this can also, comparison can also just creep in out of nowhere, too, when we're not even expecting it, especially in our roles. Um, I lead some small groups here, um, facilitate them. And occasionally when I'm gone, I'll ask somebody to fill in for me, you know? And I always, you know, I want to do that. I want to give people an opportunity to, to kind of serve in that way and see how they, if they get the flavor for it, if they like it, it's kind of a way of training and just giving the group a different person to hear from besides me anyways. And it's fun to do that. However, when I go and always ask to kind of follow up later, like from other group members, like how did it go and so-and-so led? Based on their answer, I sometimes realize my true motivation for asking that question. And how, I, like, for example, if they say, oh, it was okay, you know, they they did all right. I'm kind of like, yeah, you guys missed me, didn't you? <laughs> kind think of thinking that I'm like, sorry, all right, dad's back this week, you know. <laughs> we'll make sure group goes well. But, you know, I'm glad they, glad they gave it a hack, you know. But if they're like, oh, man, Scott, it was great. It was so good. It was probably one of the best groups all year. I'm just like, come on. Started to get frustrated. I'm like, yeah, sure, you could do it great when You only do it once. Try doing it every week, you know? Like, and <laughs> you start telling yourself, and the thing is, is I want people to be good at stuff. I just don't want them to be as good as me, right? Comparison could quickly turn into resenting people. And it really can block our ability to work together. You know, whether it's a coworker who seemingly does a better job than you, whether it's a friend who gets a really great promotion and you're just stuck in a dead end job, you know, what's wrong with us? Why do we do this? Why is it that we have this problem? Why can't we just be happy for people? And it really comes down to pride. I want all the money, I want all the stuff. I want all the position. I want all the pleasures. I want all the glory. And you couple comparison with pride. Remember, nothing's wrong with comparison. It's just comparing two things. But you couple that with pride, and you got yourself a problem. And it's going to be difficult to work together at home, at work, at church, heck, even driving down the road, right? The other day I was sitting at a stoplight, right before I was planning for this message actually, I was sitting at a stoplight and I looked over at the guy, because he had a Jeep, and I always like to notice Jeeps, and it was a really nice Jeep, I was like, man, that's a that's a nice Jeep, I wish I had a Jeep like that, and then I looked at the guy driving it, and I was like, man, that's a nice beard, it's got a really good looking beard, Like I can't grow one like that, and then it went a little further, all right? Bear with me here. He has really nice sunglasses. (laughs) I don't have sunglasses that fit my face like that. And then I thought, man, he's tall. Who is this guy? Is this like Thor or something? You know, is this a movie star coming to Riverside with his really cool Jeep, you know? And, you know, I started to think, why am I not that tall? And then I just kind of, I laughed and said, so get over yourself, Scott. <laughs> you are who you are. And, and, you know, this is funny, but it can really damage our ability to work together, right? And the damage comes from this. Is, and Cody mentioned this last week when he talked about how comparison is confusing. But it's the pride. It's our conceit that confuses our focus. And this is in your handout. I'm going to read you a passage out of Romans here. Romans 12:3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Let's look at the warning here. Let's take a look at this. It says, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but to think with sober judgment. Here he's taking pride and conceit and contrasting it with sober judgment. Sober judgment really does come from humility. It comes from humility. And humility is just a voluntary thinking of someone as better than yourself. It's taking a lower position in life. You take that place mentally. You put people above you mentally. Easy to understand. Hard to do, right? It's hard to do. And here's why it's hard to do. is our love for ourselves is intoxicating. We become intoxicated by our love for ourselves. So, did you know that universities, in order to help people not drink and drive, they have these exercises. They bring these clinics that show up to dorm rooms. And they have you put on these goggles, okay, that totally skew your perception as though you were intoxicated by alcohol. And then they have you get in these driving simulators and try to drive, And everybody's all over the road hitting cars and mailboxes and fake people in the simulator. And, you know, it's funny. And then they even have a little bike simulator and get on and everybody always crashes. And the goal that they're trying to do is to show you that drinking too much alcohol intoxicates you and distorts your vision of reality. You can't see reality. Conceit, pride, distorts our vision of reality. We can't see it. So we need to humble ourselves. Things become fuzzy. Here's, here's, a, here's a few ways of how things become fuzzy. First of all, it discounts God's role in our life. We, we, we take a higher position and we don't understand that there is a God. As we read in the... we singing the song. Holy, holy, holy is that God. The wise king... It also overestimates our abilities. We overestimate our abilities. A funny example of this is when I was younger, I tried to become a professional snowboarder. I moved here. I was like, this is like a really bad movie, '80s movie. But I moved here from Missouri, okay, to become a (laughs) to try to become a professional snowboarder in Southern California. You know, Um, we had like a two-run little lift fake snow in Missouri. It was pretty sad. But I had a lot of fun. And the point of that story is just to show you that at one point I knew how to snowboard. So I came to Big Bear and snowboarded all the time and, you know, I, I did okay. I probably could have maybe barely squeaked in to like competitions. I actually competed in some races and one, but I, I was never going to make it. And so, yeah, I was never going to make it big. You were going to see me and Sean White up there, you know, <laughs> hugging each other. <laughs> Although, I'm much older than him. so (laughs) Um, Sean Palmer. We'll go back in time. Any of you remember him? So, anyways. um, What's funny about it is about 10 years after I'd kind of given up on that dream and really never trained and didn't really know what I was doing anymore, I'd still go every once in a while. I went up to Big Bear with a couple guys, and we were in the park, and we were having fun, hitting jumps, and uh, I was probably in my mid-30s, you know? And... My friend was like, hey, you think we could do 360s? Let's, let's learn how. To. I was like, I don't want to do 360s off a jump. It's not that hard of a trick. I could still do that. He's like, no way, really? I was like, oh, yeah. And it, his, my other friend is like, I'm going to go down and video it. This is going to be awesome. I'm like, it is going to be awesome. <laughs> you know, and little did I know, like things had changed my body. And, uh, <laughs> and you, you, you just don't have the same center of gravity, right? And my mind was sharp, though. I could see it. Down, hit, land, no big deal. You know, and I remember, have all these memories of doing it. So I go down, and I'm like, this is going to be great. And I go off, and let's just say that nothing close to a 360 or even a good jump happened, you know. And the funny thing is, is I could still remember hearing the guy who was going to video it let out a disappointing sigh of like, ah man.
1: (laughs) And basically, he was
0: saying like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And it was funny. (laughs) Another way that things become fuzzy is we basically overvalue our individual roles and responsibilities. We think that we're better. We're more important. So we push. We're the star of our show, right? Don't you guys see that? We are the star of our show. Even if we think poorly of ourselves, we're still the star of our little movie that we're creating for ourselves. Don't you wish you could escape that? I know I do. Don't you wish you could just get along with each other? Enjoy each other? Humble yourself? And not have to be the star? But we are. And what happens is is we push our agenda. And when we push our agenda, it makes working together difficult. And we need people in our life, guys. However much we fight it, the whole idea of the hermit that lives in the woods isn't true. Something's gone wrong in that scenario, if that's reality. We need to work together. We, that's just the way we're created. And so we have to figure out a way to get along. So Romans twelve four through 6 basically is a passage written to those who have decided to make Jesus the boss of their life. This is kind of written to how the church should function. And it gives us some good lessons for how to approach working together. And putting away our pride and not comparison. So it says, it says, for as in one body, and the body is the body of the, is the body of, is the church, basically. We have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace, the grace given to us. We'll look at that later. Um, This passage is really chock full of a lot of lessons here. So um, as it turns out, while conceit confuses, you know, things are fuzzy. Guess what focuses? Humility focuses. It allows us to see reality for what it actually is and allows us to know how to take our place. Um, And that's what we need. So here's a few lessons that come from this. The first one is in verse four. It talks about we don't have the same function. We just don't. In the church, you know, all of us have different roles, right? Some of us are um, teaching out in kids zone. Some people are musically talented and they play instruments and sing. Aren't you glad that the people who don't know how to do that don't do that? You know, um, some of you are strong and can get here and set up and tear down and serve in that way. Some of you are creative. You know, and, and are gifted with hospitality and can make things look good and feel good. Some of you are technical and know how to run sound and images and things like that. And all of us come together and kind of work together to pull off what's called Sunday morning. But church is more than Sunday morning. It's it's the people and how they relate to one another. So we have people throughout the week. You lead small groups. People who administrate and kind of set the tables so the rest of us can get along and organize our relationships so we can relate to each other organically. We have people here just really good at hosting and including and influencing kind of the social calendar, you know, and and we need everybody. Um, Another area in verse five, it talks about we all have equal value in Christ. And this is true. We really do. You know, um, I'm going to. This isn't, sometimes when we think like, yeah, 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 Scott, we all have equal value with God. You can kind of chalk that up to this. It's kind of like your mom. Like, y'all, you know, your mom thanks the world of you, right? I mean, in general. You know, your mom says, oh, you did a good job. You know, and it doesn't really mean anything, right? <laughs> You're so handsome. Sorry. Sorry, moms. Next week is Mother's Day. <laughs> I'll just get off the stage. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> moms offer a lot. Um, they might offer too much. No, just kidding. No, but they, they love us and they root for us and it's great. And so it's hard as a kid to be like, yeah, and we all see this. A good example of this is the American Idol auditions, right? The moms are like, oh, my baby's great. <laughs> you know, he's the best singer ever. And then you hear the guy like singing. And it's not very good. So, but this isn't that. This is God, the creator of the universe, who is all wise and all knowing, who upholds every subatomic particle at any given moment, all the time, from the past, present, to the future, who is engaged in our lives, who gives us equal importance to Him. Because of Christ. It's true. And, and we need to we need to live in that reality. The third point is is God is the source of our different gifts, guys. Verse six talks about this, and by grace we have these different gifts. This is a uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, I, I grew up in I, I was born in '74, and so I grew up in the world of Kenner Star Wars toys, you know, the greatest time of all toys in the world and it was great I mean you just couldn't wait till birthdays and Christmases and you got your new action figures or if you're really lucky you might get a land speeder or an x-wing fighter but I went to my friend's house once and boy this friend he had an at-at walker sat that tall okay and I just remember being so jealous and I just thought he is the coolest guy in the whole world He has an out walker. And as a kid, you don't realize that. You think, like, Kenner must have, like, a value list of, like, which kids are better and gives out toys and relationship to your value, you know. And I got my land speeder, and he got his out walker. But no, his parents bought it for him. They gave it to him. He didn't earn that. He didn't make the money to get it. He wasn't better because he had it. He just received it. And that's how it is with us and our abilities and gifts. It is given to you. You know, you hone them. We work hard to hone them. That there, is, there is an element of that. But even that honing, God gives us the ability and desire and discipline to even do that. And so really focusing on this is a pride dampener. Recognizing that God distributes gifts and abilities to us is really a pride dampener. You know, when we focus on my gifts, my, my abilities, my strengths, my, 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 we can't see clearly anymore. It's kind of like if you wear glasses. I just found out I need glasses. And I'll get around to getting them at some point, okay? <laughs> the fuzziness isn't bad enough, I guess. So, or maybe I'm too, anyways. But if you wear glasses and you don't have them on, everything's fuzzy or reaching around, I don't know, depend, I don't know what it's like. Depending on how bad it is, you know. And, uh, you know, when you put them on, you can see clearly. And that's the contrast here. Is when you stop focusing on your own gifts and abilities... And what you contribute humbly to the group, it's like putting your glasses on and suddenly everything comes into focus. And this switch makes a big difference in our ability to see people. Imagine what your life would be like if you applied this. Imagine your home life. Imagine how sweet life would be if every member of your family understood that they had a different function. Some Some are dads, some are moms, some are kids. Some are young kids, some are old kids. Some are dogs. <laughs> we love our dog. <laughs> and uh, imagine how sweet that would be. Imagine also if we also realize how equal, how we're all equal in God's sight. And this is actually, I think family's a place where this actually makes sense. And think about this for a minute. Maybe this will help this make sense to you. In, in contrast to other areas of life. Do kids seem less important than parents? Do parents seem less important than kids? Well, we all have value, right? Kinda of makes sense in family. You're not gonna Well, we all have we all have value. In God's sight. And then and then imagine if everybody understood that these roles were just given out by God. The ability to function and do these things. You know, God made me a man. So I guess I'm a father, right? I was a kid. Now I'm a father. So, you know, God God gave me that opportunity. He allowed me to get married, allowed me to have kids. I'm a father. And, and I appreciate that. Imagine at work how things could be different. If you realize, like, some are bosses, some are employees, or, you know, just employees. Some are marketers, accountants, salespeople. I mean, all kinds of different elements. Doctors, lawyers, auto mechanics, um, you know, there's all these different roles. Imagine if everybody could just be content knowing that we all have a different job and we can work together towards the mission of whatever the company is. And we all had equal value in God's eyes. Doesn't matter if you're the boss or you're the janitor. You're, you're an important person. And that each one of those gifts and abilities actually comes from God. If we really believe that, it could really take away our propensity to boast and brag about our abilities. It becomes about what God has given us instead of how great we are. You know, this pride that we have in, in our organizations and our groups, it actually kills our unity. Envy, which is what we're talking about here, envy erodes empathy. Empathy. And without empathy, without being able to care about the other person and what they're experiencing, working together essentially breaks down. And it's difficult to build close friendships and working relationships with those we have with no empathy. So relating a focus produces harmony as we, it says in Romans 12, it continues on here. Verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, which is prideful. But associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. It says, never be conceited. It doesn't say sometimes don't be conceited. And this is a gift to us. This isn't like trying to kill your buzz, never be conceited. This is, I want you to see life for what it really is, and I want you to see it clearly. So don't be conceited, because you'll be intoxicated by conceit, and you won't see the road to drive. So So choosing humility here really allows us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Sounds easy, right? Everybody wants to go to a party, you know? Gonna, you know, there's a lot of graduations going on right now in universities and upcoming in school, and hey great, I can go I'll go celebrate your graduation. That sounds fun, unless you're the person that just failed your last semester and have to repeat it next year and didn't graduate. Then it becomes a little harder, right? I uh my wife and I, our third child was born stillbirth. Which means she died 23 weeks in utero. And we had to deliver her already dead. It was a very difficult time for us. It's very sad. And we had to deliver her. We cremated her. We had a small service. And, uh, you know, God, by His grace and by the maturity path that He had set us on, which I am incredibly thankful for, allowed us to be able to mourn And have our hearts broken while still remaining faithful and faith-filled. We didn't lose sight of God. However, at around the same time our dear friends were having a son. Right around the same time. And I remember thinking, I wonder if this will be hard for us. To celebrate with them the birth of their son. I wonder. I hope not, but I wonder. And it wasn't. We were able we could do two things at once. You can do two things at once. Humility allows you to do that. I was able to mourn the loss of our daughter, my wife and I, while still rejoicing in the birth of a son for our friends. And you know what's amazing, guys? This is amazing. I don't say this at pridefully or conceited at all. This is a gift. But that boy still to this day for my wife and I is a helpful, pleasant, appropriate reminder of the daughter we had. And I appreciate that. I see him and I think, ah, that's how old Laney would be at this time. And it's not a, ah. It's a, ah. And there's this peace, almost this smile inside of me that settles. And I can't explain it. Other than faith and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. The verse also continues on. and says to weep with those who weep. <clears throat> Excuse me. The same story applies here. Many of you were there when that happened to us. Many of you brought us meals, came and visited us, wept with us. Some of you just came and sat and hung out and said hi. Checked in with us at different points and anniversaries, which was helpful for the first couple of years. And we appreciate that. And that really is... As uh, a matter of fact, it sheds so much light onto the type of community that God is trying to create through the gospel that it was noticeable to our family members. We had family members. My wife grew up in a very beautiful part of Northern California and they always wondered, why are you guys in Southern California? Why aren't you up here where it's beautiful? And there's tons of stuff to do. You guys like it up here. But when they started to see... The beautiful relationships that we were developing, it made sense to them. They're like, oh, okay, I get it. I remember my brother-in-law finally was like, I get it. I get it. I get why you're down there. Makes sense. You're just missing out on river rafting, but I get it. <laughs> and I am missing out on river <laughs> It's okay. Um, verse 16 tells us, that, you know, we're, we're going to experience unity towards a common mission. And this is really important, guys. There is going to be so many opportunities in this life to rejoice and weep with one another. This is why this, is why this verse is written. Life is a roller coaster full of weeping and rejoicing. You just can't get away from that. And if we can't figure out how to do that with each other, we're not going to work together. And we need to work together. It's good. Here's a a biblical, here's kind of a definition of what I mean by biblical unity. This is very clinical. It's different people connected in a meaningful way, governed by biblical values, practicing sacrificial love for one another, promotes healing community. You all got that? You know, a much better way to say that would be people banding together in a godly manner is the secret sauce of life. You can't read the Bible without getting that. Without seeing that that's true. People banding together in a godly manner. That's the key two words. Godly manner. And we need to choose humility to do that. Conceit confuses. Humility focuses us. Focuses us. That's a mouthful. Imagine how life would look different. How your relationships would look different. If you're able to rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. In work, in church, in home. Imagine just how different that can make things. These perspectives really help us in groups and organizations show the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. This is, as we say, evangelism, which is sharing the good news. Living this out is evangelism. This is, this is doing our part. So I encourage you, I really encourage you, and I encourage myself, which is, what I mean by that is not to make you feel good about it, but to fill you with courage to take a lower position to those around you and experience the difference that can come from choosing humility instead of conceit. I'm going to invite the worship team on stage. There's a few next steps I want to go over. And what I'm thinking about next steps is here is really take a moment. I'm going to pray in a moment. And I want you to really take a moment to really think through has God shown you today that you need to move? What's your very next step? Not, oh, I ought to be way down the road and here. But no, what is today something I can do today or a perspective, an attitude or an action that I can do today to move forward? I really think about that. Here's a couple ideas, if you don't have any. But when I'm tempted to compare, thank God for the gifts that others have. Just simply, thank, thank, thank you, Lord, that so-and-so is really good at that. We, we need that in our company, in our church, or in our family. I'm glad somebody's good at that, because I'm not. I might want to be, but I'm not. And then choose contentment personally with the gifts God has given me. Just choose contentment. It's hard to do that. But you can do it. And then, or memorize Romans twelve fifteen, which is rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Let's pray. Lord, we just really uh, thank you for today. We love you. We're glad you're real. We're glad that you're the wise king and we can sit under and learn from God. So, God, this is all pretty easy to understand, but this is hard to do. So, all I can say is uh, we ask you for help. Just help us, Lord, to be able to um, figure out how to get this in our lives, Lord. Will you change us by your Holy Spirit and by your training plan for our life, Lord, so we may live this out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.